You're listening to Three Makes Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Repnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Stacy Taubman here with me. Thanks for joining me, Stacy. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And you found out, I was reading a little bit about your story, you reached out to me on Instagram and told me more about what you've discovered, but it was really the, during the pandemic, the beginning of it. Yeah. Well, close to the pandemic. Okay. So I found out right at November, 2012, November, 2019, but, you know, really starting to get to know my new biological family and start this relationship uh, right before the pandemic hit. So the pandemic really played a big role in this uh, transition or entry into this world, but I found out right before it. Wow. So basically you were talking, I know I was reading a little bit of a, a blog that you put out. And so you were talking about sort of how everything changed for you in, in really a, a span of six months. Yeah. I, well, well, in the blog post you're referencing was something I wrote about you know, how I was feeling about COVID and how it was impacting my life and this feeling of like, everything has changed. And yet in some ways, nothing has changed. And it really Mm -hmm. uh, reminded me of some of the same feelings I had just navigated through in November of 2019. Mm. Um, And so it was just interesting to be in a similar place, but yet for a really different reason. And just uh, so that blog post was really just about the parallels of this like world disaster that we're all collectively experiencing. So something that Mm -hmm. everyone can understand. And yet Mm -hmm. this experience that for people who aren't going through it can sometimes be hard to understand. Yes. And I will make another leap of comparison there and saying that one thing that people don't realize, I think is they think the discovery of being donor conceived is just this moment in time. And, and then maybe life just goes back to normal somehow. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be but, easier if it was? I mean, I understand why they think would, that. Yeah. It's great if that's how it was. Yeah. I, but what I think people don't realize is that this is it, it is life-changing and everything does change. Um, especially what's really come to my attention recently is the f- discovery of new siblings mm. and how every so often people are finding new siblings and yeah. that cycle starts all over again. So there's almost, <laughs> there's no end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say the sibling thing. I brace for impact every time, you know, I get a, a, a push alert from 23andMe or Ancestry.com. I just brace for it. I have not yet uh, had a new sibling appear. So I can't speak to that experience, but I, I definitely can speak to the bracing for impact. Yeah. And how did you find out? I know you mentioned in your blog that it was a 23andMe test that you got for Christmas or you asked for a gift, I think. Yeah, for my actually, yeah. I had actually, so my 40th birthday yeah, right. was actually in, yeah, in 2018. And I asked my husband for 23andMe, my father who raised me, um, had been sick for quite some time with a pretty rare heart disease or heart issue, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and he was essentially actively dying, if you will. And so watching your father deteriorate and suffer for four years mm-hmm. and know that it might be a genetic issue and yeah. even ask your father to be genetically tested so you can see if you have it. Um, mm, you know, I, yeah. you know, I definitely was reaching that point and, you know, turning 40 is a pivotal point in life. And so there was, uh, I thought that would be a great time to get that lovely 23 me <laughs> test. 
I, it really didn't register. It was just so like, huh, that, that's interesting. And I moved on, which is so interesting because that's a weird reaction in some ways. And then others, not at all. It, it basically, you know, see the information and think oh, that's strange, but it doesn't really sink in or then there's a lot of confusion around it. Some people think that it's a mistake or, you know, I know just the whole centimorgan trying to understand yeah. what that means and how people are related to you is really confusing. So again, you can look at those tests and sort of, it can go over your head. So that oh, makes totally. sense that it didn't fully sink in. When did you come back to it then? Yeah. Let me just back up before I answer that. Cause I think what's interesting about what you just said is I also think part of life is you have to be ready for something to land. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't yet ready for that information to land, nor did I have the space. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I came back to that was June of 2019 uh, because my father had passed at the end of 2018. So I had had time to mourn my business in Denver was stable and doing well so I just had sort of stabilized in life, if you will, and had more space. And what was interesting is another cousin popped up, a second cousin, uh, Robert Reisenberg. And he and I were like, huh, how are we connected? Mm-hmm. And, and just some backstory about me. I was a high school math teacher. I, I have my degree in math. I, I'm a big nerd and I love math, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, which I know every, there are definitely your listeners. Some of them are cringing and and then, you know, having flashbacks and PSTD or PTSD from high school, but from their high school uh, math teacher, is that what you're saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that more times than not. Robert was actually, it is an actuarist as well. So he also has a, and that's a profession that people who get math degrees go into. And so he also has a love and a thirst of solving a puzzle. And so mm-hmm. it was funny because he and I just sort of started on this path of like, it was just a math problem to solve and, and, and curiosity of weird, how are we related? Let's, let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so he roped in his uh, relative, who's the family tree expert. And, you know, we start going down this path and any good mathematician, when you hit a brick wall, you Mm -hmm. gather more information. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do that by talking to my mother, by talking to my sister, (laughs) talking to some of my other cousins. And it was Mm -hmm. a really interesting experience how they all reacted. What'd they say? Well, it's funny. I had lunch with my mother. I, you know, I'm in Denver more times than St. Louis these days, but I came into St. Louis, you know, it was appropriate and waited to have a conversation with her in person. And I sat down with her and I said, mom, do you think your dad is your dad? <laughs> Cause that's what I thought. I thought, yeah. you know, my mom, my mom was an accident. So maybe her dad wasn't her dad. Maybe there was an affair involved and, okay, and, okay. And I definitely caught her off guard because imagine okay. a 41 year old secrets yeah. uh, that you have kept all this time. Imagine uh, if you will, if your husband felt very protective of this information and swore her to secrecy and he'd only passed six months prior. Okay. Uh, so her reaction was very startled and very mm-hmm. shutting down the conversation. Like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> and that was it. She just I, sort of like, yeah. no, and then moved on. Moving on. Okay. Yeah. And I, okay. I even asked her like, well, is my dad, my dad, you know? And she was like, yes, of course, you know, and just sort of shut it down. And Mm, I think she was in a state of shock. And I think she was feeling very conflicted because, you know, she's a smart lady and anyone who knows me knows that good luck with that being the end of that conversation. (laughs) So at that, at that point I'm all in it and my gut knew something was off there, but you know, not Mm -hmm. exactly what. So I did ancestor.com. Okay. And a half sister and a 
grandmother showed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at that point I had already narrowed down in the family tree, you know, people of interest, if you will. And mm-hmm. I even had sent a picture who turned out to be my biological father to her prior to the test and said, do you know Grant Stevens? Do you Whoa. know this man? <laughs> and he, she didn't. There's, it was an she could honestly answer. She did yeah. not. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was honest. You know, there okay. was some honesty and then there was some dishonesty. Um, so anywho, got uh, Ancestry.com back October mm-hmm. 3rd, 2019. Mm-hmm. And, you know, started you know, and my first thought, which I'm sure for a lot of people, because I think I was still in a state of shock, was affair. I just assumed yes. it was an affair. I, mm-hmm. You know, I never knew my mother had fertility issues. Okay. So, so she never even shared that much. No, oh, which okay. was part of the pain, right? Because I, you know, I had had fertility issues and I had gone through mm. IUI and failed, you know, and, and you mm. know, and my mother's always been a wonderful, supportive cheerleader. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, going through that, it would have been lovely her to have felt comfortable so and safe to have shared that. Yeah. So that was what a point a of pain. Time. Totally. Yeah. Such a different uh, time, but you would think even within a family, you could open up when you're, you were going through that. But I think by that time it gets so deep, yes. deeply buried that it just, yeah. almost, you can't, they can't adjust. Well, and secrets are tough. Secrets are tough. And then grief wrapped in the secret and those combined, they can get like super buried. And then when they're super buried, I think Ooh, the people yeah. themselves don't even realize that what they're doing in their lives. And then add the layer to her husband, right? You know, she is a loyal, caring human and, you know, he swore her to secrecy and really didn't want to know, you know, because back in the seventies, as I'm sure you've discussed in mm-hmm. previous podcasts, mm-hmm. they mixed the sperm, you mm-hmm. know, donor with dad. And so, and they said, could be yours. And so yep. with that yep. illusion, they used that- denial as a force. Um, I hope you can still hear me. They used denial as a very powerful tool to uh, keep keep secrets. Yeah. And I think it was very important to my father and his mental health. You know, my father was a fabulous father, but from a standpoint of like emotional intelligence and the journey we go on and self-discovery and self-improvement, you know, he wasn't in a place where that was uh, something he could have navigated well. Mm-hmm. It would have been yeah. very challenging for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand where my mom was coming from. She, there was some protecting of her husband in there. Yeah, makes sense. And what feelings came up for you? I know you mentioned feeling hurt. Um, were you angry with her? Oh, for sure. So mm-hmm. what was interesting is I got the test back on February 2nd and got home from work late and sort of started looking at it, but just barely scratched the surface. And then the next morning I got up quite early and drove home from Denver to St. Louis. So imagine if you will, a 12 hour car ride (laughs) where, you know, you're digging into and for your listeners. And I think it's gotten better, but back in 2019 on ancestry.com, it would the way it listed these people is it would say first cousin or closer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you first see these people, my biological grandmother and my half sister, um, you don't understand it at first. And so you have to like dig in and click on it and it gets you to these pages that then says, you know, 99% chance this person's either your grandmother, you know, it lists all the different things. So putting all the pieces together was happening over this 12 hour car ride home. (laughs) So um, I had texted my mother in the morning and just said, Hey, 
you know, what's going on? I don't think my father was my father. And she said, we need to talk when, you know, when you get home from your car ride. And I did not want to talk to her at that point. And by time I put all the pieces together and by time I realized that my biological father was Grant Stevens and, you know, that he was a med student at Wash U, Mm -hmm. um, six years younger than my mother, had just gotten married months before I would have been conceived. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to talk to my mother at this point. I I just said to my mom, I don't want to get on the phone with you. I just want to know two things. Did dad know? And is it true? And she would not respond to me. She was like, we need to get on the phone. And I was like, I have zero desire to speak to you at this point. And then this is a little bit crass and trigger warning. But I said, unless you were raped, you know, I have zero desire to talk to you right now. I will calm down and we can talk later. But right Mm -hmm. now, we, Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to get on the phone, phone with you. So I just want to know, is it true? And did dad know? And she kept hedging, you know. And, and it's interesting. You asked about my feelings on the car ride home. It was still a math problem. It was still interesting mm-hmm. to try to figure it out. Yeah. And my husband thought it was weird that I didn't want to get on the phone with her, but it was interesting as it was sort of starting to sink in and become more of a reality. And at yeah. that point, then the emotions started to flood. And at that point I was a mess. Well, yeah. And I, I want to say that I think this is really important to, for anyone who's, I know we have people that are listening that are trying to figure out how to tell their adults, children that they haven't told them yet. And, and I think there's, there's so many feelings around this. I want to say I I am a child focused therapist. And when I say child, I also mean when you're an adult in the matter, you didn't have control over this. And so what happens with that, when you discover this, there's a lack of control that can really, it turns your world upside down and it can make people feel as if they have lost control in life. And we Mm -hmm. want to, I want to help people to feel grounded again and feel centered. So that is my, I want everyone that's listening to, to know that that's where I come from and that's why. So I will say this in that moment. And when you are finding out to those parents that are, you know, maybe thinking of these moments coming up, your adult child let them feel and say and do what they need to. And if that, and if you couldn't talk to her, then that is what you needed. And that is perfectly fine. And so I think that's so important. And she, your mom was trying to control it still. Right. I was clear what I needed in that moment was I was not getting on the phone with her. Um, But what was interesting is, you know, when she kept pushing a little bit, I, I finally just said, well, clearly I have my answer and I'm done here, you know? And when I said that, that's when she finally caved, you know? And at that point, it like all hit me and I like whoosh of emotion. Yeah. And then, because if you're not willing to tell me, we know something's up here. But after I said that, okay. that finally freed her up to finally just admit it. And she said, your father never wanted to know you were conceived through artificial Mm -hmm. insemination. And for me, it was like, holy cow, Mm -hmm. plot twist. Like what? Like, that's not at all what I saw coming. Um, And so it was very interesting to go from this anger of you had an affair with my father and, you know, you never told me and, you know, all those emotions to wait, what completely, you know, plot twist, new information. I'm caught off guard. What's happening? So your anger was about an, aff- you, you were angry at her because you thought it was an affair. That was a piece of it. Okay. Absolutely. Got it. That was a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And then she was, cause I couldn't understand it. I was like, what are you doing? And not look, look, people have relationships with people younger than them, but 
knowing my mother and knowing my father, I couldn't understand what she was, you know, she was a teacher at the time. What are you doing with a med student six years younger than you who just got married? (laughs) You know, he got married in August, you know, you're conceiving me in October, you know, and you have a husband yourself. Like, what are you doing? You you know, my mother's and I have a great relationship and Mm -hmm. I see her as a certain person. So I was angry because it was uh, different from the script that I had of who my mother was. Yeah. And imagine if you couldn't have gotten that it won't, well, eventually you would have probably, but like if your mother had passed and you couldn't talk to oh. her about it, there's a, that happens a lot. It's so sad so, because yeah. unanswer, you know, like the, uh, the lack of answer is mm-hmm. just torture in some ways. Mm-hmm. And not just to be able to have that healing dialogue that you can, you oh, know, sometimes absolutely. it's healing, sometimes it's not, but it, to at least to have the possibility of it is, is important. So, wow. So then, yeah. then new, new information sinks in and then yes. did you, were you willing to meet with her or to sit down with her then at that point? It took me a little bit of time. Um, luckily my husband who's lovely, you know, he, and he knows that my mom has been a good mother and all the things. And so, you know, my husband actually facilitated, uh, we went out to dinner, you know, with her, I want to say you know, three, three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that was a step in the right direction and having some conversation and understanding, you know, and her being willing to give me space to ask the questions, you know, I was definitely quite numb still and quite angry. And, you know, it's interesting. You brought up the child piece. I really appreciate that you're there. Uh, and that you bring that up because, you know, one of the emotions or feelings is I really mourned and felt sad for that child, my, you know, who I was as a kid mm-hmm. and, and um, how much this information would have made my life make so much more sense mm-hmm. and, uh, and helped navigate my childhood in a, in a more positive way. Okay. I wouldn't change my parents. I'm very thankful mm-hmm. for who raised me and how they raised me but I mourn for that little girl mm. and how different I would have felt with this piece of information. This is very important information that would have shaped how I felt about myself, mm. how I viewed myself yeah. and how I navigated the world. Yeah. So I mourned for her and I, and I felt really bad for her. For sure. And did you, were there <clears throat> things that you wish you would have, that were the things that made more sense once you found out? Oh, night and day. Yeah. Um, so we have to skip ahead to the story to help understand that. So I reached out to Grant, my biological father, almost immediately, actually on the car ride home, as I told you, I was on a 12 hour car ride mm-hmm. home. And in the morning I reached out to Grant. Wow. I, I'm pretty good on the internet. And I was mm-hmm. just, and I, so I was able to get his email and I just said, you know, hi, you know, your relatives showed up as my relatives, mm-hmm. um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you know Susan Taubman? Because keep in mind, at that point, I thought an affair. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm smart enough not to accuse a stranger or something like that. I just said, mm-hmm. do you know who Susan Taubman is? Um, by the time I got home, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours later, uh, I reached out a second time and I was like, so I just wanted to apologize. I now know <laughs> that you were an anonymous sperm donor mm-hmm. in your 20s. I'm sure you never would have imagined, you know. Yeah doing something like this 20 some odd years later, I would be able to have this information. I said, I just want to know my health history. And if I have any siblings, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not looking for anything from you. He did not see those emails. Okay. So, and so I did not hear from him and, you know, Grant is a very, is a world renowned, famous plastic surgeon. Okay. And yeah. I noticed you're freely using his name. So is he okay with that? Yeah. Too? He's very comfortable with, I'm actually in the process of writing a book okay. about all of yeah. this. Yeah. That, yeah. So he's very comfortable okay. and he's a very 
public prominent, you know, man in the world and very comfortable with his and all of this. And um, yeah, he's excited about uh, the book coming out mm-hmm. in December. Um, but so yeah, he didn't see any of that. And my husband's like, Stacy, you know, he's famous. Like this man's not going to contact you. Like just, you know, you have a great life, make peace with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I sort of started that process. That's that whole, everything has changed and nothing has changed, you know, and the nothing has changed. So I do have a great life. You know, mm-hmm. I love what I do. I have a great business, you know, all of those things and sort of trying to live in that place. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, everything has changed and you're living in that place. But mm-hmm. anywho, I had gotten to a decent place, had went to my counselor, all the things mm-hmm. and started the healing process and woke up on November 6, 2019 to like 50 likes on my Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And I, what I haven't mentioned is I did try also to re- I, this is embarrassing, but I slid into his DMs <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Because he's a very active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I just said, Hey, look, I don't know if you saw my emails. This is my last, her- you know, hooray or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just said basically the same things. And he did not see that message until November 6, 2019. So I woke up to, you know, the message from him. And, uh, and one of the first things he said, which was life-changing for me is said, I've always been a hardworking risk taker and an entrepreneur <laughs> and you cannot encapsulate who I am better in that sentence. Yeah. I can, I can, under, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. Yep. And cause I was raised by a very risk adverse family mm-hmm. didn't understand, you mm-hmm. know, and I, it, so it's been a really interesting journey mm-hmm. to get to know him and his family better and to see myself as a personality and a brain wiring yeah. um, mirrored back to me. Yeah. Like my mother physically looks like me. So I've had that physicality mirrored back to me. Although, you know, my ear, this is such a silly thing in some ways, but and yet not, uh, my ears have always stuck out, you know? And so it was a point of insecurity and, you know, made fun of as a child called Dumbo, you know, all the things. Um and no one in my family had those. And when Grant started sending me pictures, what I learned is that's a Stevens trait. You know, it's it's a, it's just very common in the Stevens family to have these ears. Wow. And so it became a source of pride versus pain. Good, yeah. And imagine if my child, you know, my mm-hmm. in, you know, younger self had that source right, of right. pride. Exactly. What a different experience. It's a feeling of belonging of belonging. And and in fact, there's done research that shows that body image is an important factor in genetic mirroring, um, that Mm -hmm. they, that the lack of a body image mirroring in your family can really create some insecurities and, and, um, and trauma, but I would push back. mm -hmm. I think more importantly for me, at least is the, the way my brain is wired and the way I think and the way I look at the world and, you know, my own hopes and aspirations and that wiring to me was more impactful and lacking in my life and meeting him and having someone who thinks and functions and wired like you, like it's just completely changed. And, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than feeling like a second rate version of the people who are around you and wired very differently than you, feeling like a first rate version Mm -hmm. of myself and, Oh, look, there's other people in the world who, who look at life and function the way you do. I mean, that's life-changing. It's self-acceptance. It's self-acceptance in the most powerful way. Yeah. And I think 
and maybe the studies on the body image, it's because it's a little easier to narrow down because it's totally, so it's hard tangible. to say, yeah, it's so hard to explain the wiring. You know, I have people that if I, you know, really push back on me about, and, and tell me that I'm my message about genetics is biodeterminist and it's, um, and that it, gen, you know, let's keep the science out of it somehow. <laughs> Look, I get it though. Like I was a high school math teacher. I really believe, you know, in the nature nurture argument, you know, I would really lived on the side of, you know, it's your, the people you surround yourself with, it's your community. It's, and I think where we go wrong is we oversimplify. Like you cannot take that away. I am who I am today because of my wonderful parents who raised me, because of the people I grew up with, all the things and the, and the choices I made, you know, I built a company around, you know, creating community and being around inspiring women for a reason, right? Because I needed that sense of family and belonging and I didn't have it. So I created it, right? Just like I think a lot of people aren't raised in families that work for them due to their choices, due to who they are in life. So they create the family, you know, it's the family you create. And I think there's a lot of power behind that. But I think where we go wrong in life is this concept of or versus and. You are correct. And that is powerful. And, you know, now yeah. I see it's a 41 year, it's a, it's a science experiment, you know, twin studies and science is very impactful and in many ways, I feel like I'm in a twin study. Look, I haven't met these people for 41 years and they, and now I meet them and it is spooky how similar our brains think and even like choices on a menu, even something as silly and trivial as like, it was, this just a fun little cat, you know, story is I was mm-hmm. with them the second visit and I am in the backseat with grandma mm-hmm. Donna, my biological grandmother. And I put a mint in my mouth and I sneeze and she looks at me and she's like, oh my God, do you sneeze every time you eat a mint? <laughs> and, and I'm like, yes, I do. And she's like, oh my God, so do I do. So then she runs to her son, Grant, my biological father, and is like, hey, listen to what just happened. He's like, funny, we've never talked about that. I do too, which yeah. is like such a silly, but it's just trivial, you know, belonging. non-important thing, yeah. but it's just this like, oh my God, you too. I, you know, before the phrase you too became um, meaning something else, I have always said there's incredible power in me too moments, you know? And I, and I, I really believe that there, that, that whole you too, me too, that's a really important experience in life. And, and to your point earlier, it really leaves you feeling grounded and at peace when you can have yourself mirrored back to you and have that me too, or you too moment. Yeah. We want to celebrate that for our kids. And so, you know, it's, you were saying the either instead of, but it's, and, and that's what I mentioned, dialectical thinking, which I said this many times, my editor wanted me to take it out of the book. And I was like, no, that's the point. Yes. I have to leave that in. It's not either, or it's both. But that's a hard concept for people. If we, you know, it's like very the, hard, it, it's, it's very that, hard. It's the fifth, la- it's the fifth stage of, it's the, it's the, what they call the fifth stage of thinking, the most advanced yes. stage. And, and it's hard to get there. And I'm not saying that, you know, that you have to, you have to be right there in the middle of it, no, you it can takes be working time. towards that. But um, I think that's, I agree. And it's, I think what's important is that I, like you was on the side of you know, it just, it's who you surround your with, totally. yourself with, it's your environment. I was the same way until I had the same experience where I met biological family and my twin brother had spooky, same mannerisms as my biological father. Yep. Um, and just all those little, you know, the mint and the sneeze, things like that. When you, when you go, Whoa, this is powerful. So we can, 
I, I think it's important to listen to the people who have ex- actually experienced these things and can say, hey, I'm not saying uh, you know, that it's either or. I'm saying it's both. And I'm so happy I am because of both. I, and, and so I know I hear you saying that. Well, too. and you know, it was really interesting because I was very angry at my mother for a long time. And, and then Grant's best friend actually is in St. Louis. And one of his many friends is in St. Louis. And he, his friend actually got on a call with me and he said, hey, my daughter is donor conceived and she doesn't know. Okay. And she was donor conceived from a sperm donor. And it was so helpful for me to hear his genuine fears and issues yeah. and, and, and why he was struggling to decide what to do next. Um, you know, and it really helped open my eyes to what that experience would be to be on the other end of that spectrum. I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. terrifying to feel like your child might reject you, um, or that you might be positioned as a lesser parent. Like that's an awful, Mm -hmm. awful experience or, you know, to, to worry about, but Mm -hmm. I I love when I hear donor conceived people talk about it as, you know, another relative, like a cousin or a Mm in-law or a grandparent, like that's really digestible. We can really wrap our head around how someone like that is in your child's life in this ancillary Mm -hmm. role, impactful, but ancillary. And that's the thing I would have wished for growing up that Grant was in my life and grandma Donna in this ancillary Mm -hmm. role. I, I wouldn't trade anything for my parents, but having them in my life would have been life-changing. Yeah. And are they in your life still? Currently? They are very much so. Okay. Uh, Grandma Donna and I speak quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I'm mm-hmm. even more like her than Grant, you know, so she's mm-hmm. an 89 year old woman, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's so neat to get to know her because my last grandparent actually passed uh, in fifth grade. So I really okay. missed out in some ways on having that mm-hmm. grandparent experience. So how cool that I get to have it in my forties. Like I'm so unbelievably thankful to have grandma Donna in my life and just how accepting she has been and just welcomed me into her life. And it's been a blessing Mm -hmm. for her. She can't wait for my book to come out. She even has a chapter in it. (laughs) And then Grant, like I said, has always been an entrepreneur and a hardworking risk taker. He actually inspired me to open up a new business, uh, Spritz Med Spa. You know, I've entered into the world Mm -hmm. of aesthetics because of him. And so it's been so fun. You know, I am an entrepreneur at heart and starting a brand new business and a brand new field Mm -hmm. that I know nothing about. It's been just such a a unexpected joy and fun experience. A a similar, sharing a similar, um, you know, profession. And so in a way, because you have that in common. Yeah. So it's been know. a fun bonding yeah. experience. Yeah. So it's yeah. been great. You know, obviously COVID threw a big wrench in it um, and is a very important piece of my story. Cause imagine having this life-changing experience, you know, going, meeting these people, having very little, I didn't mention that, but I ended up meeting them in November of 2019, going in with very little expectations, but then having this like all encompassing and like whoosh of an experience with these incredible people and you know, and, and then having to sort of redefine how they fit in your life and being really excited, um, to have these people in your life. And then, you know, the world sort of implodes and then it's like question mark, what does this look like now? Um, so Mm. it's been an interesting journey, but I'm thankful that we're past that and that um, we're on the other side and they're actively in my life again. And I get to see them on a pretty regular basis. Oh, good. And you're lucky. I'm not all very lucky. 
Yeah, that reconnect, get that opportunity. So that's fantastic. It's good to hear. And then what would you, what would you suggest? What would you advice would you give to parents that are listening out there that have adult children that they haven't told yet? Um, do you have uh, any advice? Rip that bandaid off. <laughs> <laughs> Just go for it. Yeah. You know, and that obviously I recognized that that is such an easier said than done. And I do really yeah. feel for the parents in that situation because nobody wants to hurt their child and nobody wants to let their child down, you know, and all the things that will come most likely from that experience. So gosh, I feel for them, but, but it, I, I really hope they find the courage to, to, you know, face that fear. You know, one of my favorite books is feel the fear and do it anyways. Yeah, for <laughs> Cause sure. it's such a good book and, um, mm-hmm. and gosh, you know, your children will be so thankful and say, well, well, I shouldn't say that. I can't promise that. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> we, d- we don't know how they'll respond, but I, I am so very thankful for the experience I have had and it has been life-changing and I'm so grateful that, um, that the opportunities that I've had have been, op- those doors have been open. And I recognize that that's not what everyone will feel. And I recognize that's not every, that's not what will happen for every child. Um, mm. so, but yet you don't know until you give them the opportunity. And I think taking that off yeah. the table is so unfair to people. Yeah. So rip the bandaid off and then also get individual, I, I would say, get your own support. Yeah. That's counseling or other parents yes. that are going through it. Um, finding a support group online, but absolutely. To, because what happens when I see happening is the parents are still dealing with the, those. Remember we talked about the super buried feelings. Yeah. So they're still dealing with those super buried feelings. And then they're trying to almost explain that to the child, to the adult child who does not need to hear all of that. Right. That is not for you to, you don't have to hold that for your parents. Yeah. So your parents, parents are listening, like yeah. get your own support first. So and you that your feelings are valid, open. right? You know, your mm-hmm. feelings are valid and it is a really hard thing for you as well, but that's not for your child to take on. So I love right. that you yeah. are saying that because you can't give your child what they need if you're not coming from a place of, you know, wholeness, if you will. Yeah. And especially if you're still carrying the same reasoning that kept the secret in the dark for so Absolutely. long, if you're still holding on to that same reasoning, it's just not going to go over well. So no. yeah, definitely want to help come to terms with the feelings that are coming up for you, whether that's guilt or, you know, a different idea of yourself. So yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know you've got to get running run off to the <laughs> next thing, but it I was do. so great to have you on and, Thank you know, you. there's yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, do you want to leave anybody with any information? Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I love talking about this. I'm very passionate about it. Like I said, I'm writing a book about my experience. It's not going to be out till December. Um, yeah. but I'm always open, um, to chatting about this and being there in any way I can to support people who are on this journey. Cause it's, it's not an easy one. And, and both from the kid and the parent, you know, look, I get both sides mm-hmm. of that coin. Um, I'm very active on social media, whether it's okay. Instagram, JC Tabman or LinkedIn uh, for the professional world, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So feel free to track me down on Instagram or, or LinkedIn and uh, always open to conversations. If you are planning to tell your adult child they are donor conceived, you can go to my social media platforms um, at Jana Rupnow LPC and get some tips on how to.
prepare before you tell. So it does matter how you tell. There are ways to do it that are going to be more helpful. Um, and I'm encouraging people to tell if they haven't already this International Donor Conception Awareness Day, April 27th, 2022. Tell your child if they're an adult, if they're a child, you haven't done it yet. Here's your opportunity. Here's your reason to begin speaking about it. And if your donor conceived, tell your story, share your story so others can learn from your experience and help generations to come. If you'd like some more help, I have some online courses you can take that will help you prepare to talk about donor conception on my website, janarupnow.com, and on my bio links on Instagram. Thanks for listening and have a great day.